Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, hey, hello. Leaders and believers, welcome to Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and this is a flashback to the 80s. My guest today is Paul Castle Jean, or PCD as he's known around the traps. And we've been exchanging banter for a few months and he's one of the original Hills Christian Life Centre guys. So... I was running a little bit late and I thought we were going to be podless today. But then we kind of came to this arrangement a little bit late in the afternoon. So this pod is a little bit late. Even a little bit later than promised. But here we are. Haven't even got a name for this one yet. We'll get there. And I'm not even going to put an outro because, well, you'll see how this ends. But it's just one ongoing conversation. And part two will be out as soon as possible. But I wanted to get this out to you before another day went past. Uh, I told everyone it'd be out about seven o'clock, so, you know, somewhere it's seven o'clock at night. In Australia, it's seven in the morning. Now, PCD and me have been chatting for a while, so uh, it's pretty rapid fire, this chat, and it's a really important one too. We go way, way back to maybe even 1984. Hmm. So grab those snacks and kick back. Settle on in for part one of yet-to-be-named interview with Mr. Paul Castle Jean. That's okay. That's cool. But does it record like that? I don't know if it records like that. How's my background? Is that all right? Or do, you want, do I need well, to? Well, I mean, it's great if you're 11. That's cute. 
it's cute you know what i mean if you want if you want to um sleep in your big car bed and have all glow in the darks because on the ceiling my hat i want to wear my hat to bed you've got your hat on ah so paul anya pcg the divine miss levine Mr. Paul Castle Dean, uh, yeah. welcome to Leaving Hillsong. Thank you so much. At a little bit of short notice, we decided we'd do what we've discussed. Uh, drag you on this show. So thank you. No, thank you. Look, we were just talking about podcasts, and you said that you you you'd missed a couple of episodes. You know that you'd started listening about eighteen months ago, and Not to be about eighteen months. And that's what I was trying to remember. Like, how did we collide in your memory? How did um, this happen? Well, I'm sure I'm certain I remember you from church. So from when I used to go and hang mm -hmm. out. And then we'll get there. Then I found the podcast and I'm listening to it. I was, I think I found it on Facebook. So, you know, oh. I, I hang around. I hang around atheist circles. Actually, that, that's right. I, I got it through the good folks over at, I was a teenage fundamentalist. There was something Lovely. leaving Hillsong over there, and I went, well, over there, and there's Tanya, and I'm like, listening away. Yeah, that's how I found it. That's how they, I found it. Most interesting people are referring it. It's, just, it's interesting. And then we got in contact. We got in contact. I think we, we just exchanging, you know, little hearts, hearts on the on the posts and the Instagram. I think that facilitated that. Six and the next months? thing we knew, we were talking. Six months ago? Probably about, probably. So I think it was the way I remember it was just before I moved to the nation's capital. So when I moved down here in in December, was it? November, maybe? Yeah, yeah. November, I handed the keys over for my place on Short Street and off I went. And um, yeah, so for, for the first time in 25 years, I've had no permanent address in Sydney that doesn't have a postcode to 2010. So it's all been a bit. Okay. And now we talk on the phone. Yeah, you were living sort of five, 10 minutes away. And now you're three hours away in Canberra, but you're yeah. serving our nation in the department of IT, I think something. Yes. Yeah, something good. Like yeah. Defending us. The one thing no, I did well. Nothing, nothing further to discuss there. High security. Uh, so let's go. Um, what, what honey, are you all right with your, in your spaceship there? You okay? You got a spaceship background. So yeah. So those are just joining up just prior to the mic being switched on. I was vilified by Tanya saying that, you know, asked if I wore, you know, Batman pajamas to bed and slept in a truck. I think wasn't it, you know, the, it was like seven years old. It was a great background. So I'm just going to, I'll change it to something for the desktop. Yeah. Uh, right. Where do I start scratching? at the PCD uh, iceberg here. Do you want to tell us a little Australian story of whoever and how you wound up in the Hills Christian Life Centre with Powerhouse Youth? How did you mm. find yourself there? Mm. So I joined youth, so I, I did Powerhouse, what was it called, the Hills Christian Life Centre. So my first encounter with the folks at Hillsong or the Hills Christian Life Centre as it was in those days, was in 1985 and I was work. I used to have a job at the Parramatta McDonald's there at the Westfields and the street mission used to 
occur every Friday night. Um, so I think it was about third or fourth street mission. They suddenly, these people like appeared with a tambourine and, and they're standing in a circle. And I think Darko was there playing his guitar. And, you know, so I just looked down, you know, sort of go, what's going on there? A bit weird. And then I went down and, you know, sort of got a bit closer and hung around. And I, I think I was out with a girl that one Friday night and I said, here, come on, let's have a look. I said, you watch, I guarantee you, if I go down there and stand there, someone will come and talk to me within the first three minutes you know, type thing. and sure as hell that's exactly what happened so down i went so i won that five dollar bet and uh before i knew it i was you know swept so i was i was going nah, to come on. what'd they say to you what did they say to you what did it because it was an exclusive club back in the day there's only mm. three four hundred people um mm. there, was, there was about 200 when i joined as i recall wow yeah They'd only just moved into the place on Hudson, up up the Windsor Road past Tony Packard's. They'd only just moved into that place. So I don't know where they were before that. And what did it what did it resonate with you as a what were you sorry, sixteen? Let me think. So I would have been sixteen, yeah. Yeah. Actually, so it must be nineteen eighty five, maybe even late nineteen eighty four. Can't remember exactly off the top of my head. But what did it resonate with me? You know, I don't know. I, I, that's a real hard one. I think other than, um, I think, yeah, I'd say that I was just as vulnerable as any other teenager. What was home like? A non-Christian home then, I'm guessing. Non-Christian home. Yep. Not, not fiercely atheist or anything like that. There was just, God was, God got talked about, but not any specific God. And I remember, you know, years prior to that, when I was just 10, 12, when I was 12 years old. I decided that we had scripture in school. I decided I didn't want to attend this anymore. I, and I articulated that as my time will be better spent in the library because I did not believe in God. And you could have heard, you, you know, it was almost like you could have had a pin drop. Everyone would go, you know, this 12 year old. And then even my classmates were like, you can't say that. I shouldn't say that. And then, you know, the librarian was having none of it. My parents backed me up, completely backed me up. And they said, no, you don't have the scripture if you don't want to. It required a note of the librarian, Mrs. Dre. I remember gave me a lecture about it. She said how she'd known me from her daughter used to babysitters when we were kids. She'd known me from before I'd started school and I was such a nice young man. The library was not a place for just to hang out because you didn't believe in God. So I had to go and sit at the headmasters, out the front of the headmaster. No one would have. So I sat out in the front of the headmaster's office and he would come out and say, you haven't done anything wrong. And then he'd rub me on the shoulders and rub me up and down the back and pat me on the butt. <laughs> anyway, all that stuff. But he was a bit like that. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah, he he would go out of his way and say, "You you haven't done anything wrong." So yeah, um, so it was a, a yeah, totally. Was, you were the only one. I was the only one. That's right. I was. The only I would have thought the library is exactly the place where you hang out when you don't want to hear about a particular point of view. Yeah, you would think so. You would think so. I, I think. Fair. 12 year olds exerting, you know, it, it was a fairly, it, was, it would have been 19, what, 1970, 70, maybe 70, no, 78. Yeah, old no. people, no one cares which 70s it was. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Right. It's like, oh, you last I century. I was used to kids saying that they didn't believe in God. And so, yeah, that was, that was really the first time. And, and I, it, it, even when I went to Hillsong, it, look, mum had cancer. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing I think that made me particularly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And as a family, we didn't, 
really know how to talk about that. It was okay. not packed. It was not talked about. It was like the, you know, the elephant in the room. And um, she had it for many, many years, sadly, six, six or seven years. She hung on, you know, eventually passing away when I was well, maybe eight years, when I was 22. Oh, but I think that was a, that was the thing for me as a kid talking to you about it now. I, I, I think, yeah, that's actually, it's a fairly straightforward answer. So that, <laughs> that was my end. Yeah. And, and on top of that, there, there was something about, you know, there was something about the conviction I remember because there was a young person named Jenny and I can't remember her last name, but she's the one that brought me in and, you know, she followed me up. Now I know why there was a whole structure behind it. Right. So she followed me up, called me at home, made sure I had a lift to get to church that, you know, weekend or whatever it was. And the, the follow-up and the, and all of that was done really, really well. I think in those days, Salva mm -hmm. and John, I think used to do it. Can't remember their names. Yeah, so, so that that was that was how I slipped into Hillsong at, at the age of um, must be fifteen, maybe even fourteen. Yeah. Mum, you you'd almost uh, it was a different level of sincerity, is what I'm going to throw at you. Then you wouldn't. I mean, yes, there was a structure, but it didn't feel no. sinister and premeditated. It didn't feel forced. Yeah, it might have, but uh... well. Yeah. You have to look at the, the, you know, sometimes these systems, road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So you've got all these people, they're well intended and they've got, you know, they're good people, so far as good people go. And, you know, but the outcome is, it, it's just, it's just to, to trap you in, to get, to close the doors behind you once you've walked into the joint. And that's typical of these types of organizations, right? But as a 14 or 15 year old, I had no idea. And what 14 or 15 year old does. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went from being what looked to be the outspoken atheist in the family to suddenly being wow. the, outspoken, the outspoken, you know, Pentecostal teen. And we all know how nauseous those people are, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big stand to take in the family and not feel embarrassed or anything as a teenager. Not at all. I knew no shame. Uh, how did they receive it? My parents, uh, yeah, um, they did not take to that very well at all. That really, I think that really frightened them because there was something so strange about, um, you know, those happy clappy people. We have all been exposed to it and we all experience it, but I think we forget about it. So it's hard for people like us to have, and most people listening to have that genuinely objective view of what a Pentecostal church looks like from the outside or you know, what religious people, uh, how, how people that are Bible bashers, if you like, come across, uh, because we've all been on the inside, so our view is kind of skewed. But no, they did not take well to that. And mum went and, I remember mum, she went and met with Pastor Brian and she went, I, I did, I've been to see Pastor Brian. I was horrified. I was mortified, right? Wow. What happened? What, 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 what? What? She wanted to find out more about this church, you know, what was it about? What, what did they believe? You know, uh, what all this stuff. So she met with Brian, she met with Mike Smith, she met with um, Pat Masiti, but she, she liked Michael, that was it. She didn't like yeah, Brian. Okay. She liked Brian, she didn't like, and she didn't like his mustache either. She said, oh, it's still got it. It's always like mm. he's got food in it or something. <laughs> Funny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So she went and found it. She went and wanted to all about um, I didn't half do things right. Uh, no, no, okay. So. So she wanted to know all about it. 
So it wasn't to necessarily restrict you from going, but just to find out. Yeah, exactly. She would never, okay. have, um, yeah, she wouldn't have put her foot down in that regard. Yeah. Um, she would have, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were horrified. Did Was there any repercussions for you or anything at church? No, not at all. No. In actual fact, I think, no, that was, it was, that was, no, there were no repercussions at all. But because I was young, and and I, I don't say this with any tickets on myself, but because I was in my teens, I, I think I was, I was one of those bus teenagers that just especially good looking and sailed through without pimples and all of that stuff. Okay. Tall, you know, good looking, cut from the same quilt, so to speak, as uh, you know, very uh, uh. Richard Wiley type, I think we'd uh, we'd say. It wasn't long before I was, you know, like I'd been invited to do the Sunday morning worship. So. Uh. Got off in the mornings, I was up on the stage and, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, I think I'd been there six months when PCD Ministries was invented. <laughs> that oh, was so your yeah. own, so PCD being your, um, what's the word? Acronym? Um, initials. Initials. <laughs> initials. PCD Ministries, tell me, what was that about? PCD Ministries was, well, see, at the time I'd started to date this girl named Jenny Westcott. And unbeknown, Jenny's a beautiful girl. And and even to this day, we are friends. She's married to an American television evangelist now. They live in, they're living, they just moved from um, Oklahoma. They're just outside Tulsa, Oklahoma. Anyway, um, uh, what I didn't realize was Jenny um, was uh, uh, one of four girls, but Westcott and any old Pentecostals listening will recognize that name. She was the daughter of Harry Westcott, who was the first person in Australia to preach prosperity doctrine and got thoroughly you know beaten up about it even yes. even brian and from the pulpit would would, would mention charity yeah. gospel gospels and uh, prosperity doctrine and anyway so he had vision ministry so i found myself in the middle of all that because that was very much a family enterprise and and there would be harry and his wife and there ah. would be a daughter and a husband second daughter husband third daughter jenny and you know, not, you know, nice looking boyfriend. And then, you know, so it was a whole, whole shebang. So I just found myself being pushed, if you like, to the, like, to the top of the pecking order, if that's what it's called. Uh -huh. Yeah. Which I think is where I got my first troubles really with where I start to run into troubles with CLC leadership because uh -huh. I, I had one foot in that camp over there with Westcott's and Vision Ministries and I had one foot in Hills Christian Life Centre, mm -hmm. and, and that wasn't wasn't going too well. That didn't mm -hmm. work out too well. What what happened? Well, I wound up I wound up enrolling in the Bible College of Vision with Harry, right, over at Vision Ministries, and that was the same year that they were launching the. I think it was the same year. It was the first year for the Hillsong College or whatever it was called back then. So they had this you know little Bible school was starting up type thing. And a good friend of mine named Greg, uh, inseparable at church, but we were going to go to Vision together. And and Brian went and, and talked actively, I found out years later, talked actively or actively sought out to talk Greg out of going to Vision. You know, it's bad enough we're losing Paul. So Greg went over and was among the first, you know, students of the the Hills, Hillsong College, I guess. Power so. Ministry, was it Power Ministry School? May have been that, may have yeah, been okay. that. 
yeah. IIC, yeah. IIC. It was something like that. But mm. it was interesting. Greg told me years later that Brian had said, but don't talk all. You know, that's a, that's a, so ah. he'll find out the hard way. So that was really quite, that, that, yeah. that was a bit. We call stuff. that we call that triangulation. Yes. So that's simply where you you know undermine and play people off each other again. Right, and yeah, undermine, yeah. play them off against each other, and then it's your one hundred and one narcissist stuff. It yeah. is, isn't it? Manipulation, trying to control the social um, relationships between people and how they they interact. If some of the two people are too close, it's not good. You know, no. not good. You can't have them relying on each other. So it went on from there. Of course, you know, I was, was I fully aware? For the, so, you know, I happen to be homosexual. And, Who says uh, that anymore? Who says homosexual? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who says, I happen to be like your Oscar Wilde. I also happen I'm to be. I'm gay. I'm gay. Righto. There's pink paint, gay in a box of kittens at Christmas. So what happened was, uh, so I knew this. Yeah, I knew it from about the time I was probably about the time I started hitting puberty, which makes sense, right? You, you start to evolve as a sexual. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You start to exist before you're more or less asexual. Puberty, you know, is, is the harbinger or the herald, one of the two, you know, into, into that particular phase of your life. But the, I knew that I was attracted to guys and I certainly knew that I was you know, gay by the time I joined Hillsong. And of course, you know, very quickly explained that away as being just something I was going through or, or at worst, you know, something to do with the devil. My father was a Freemason, you know, all this stuff, you know. <coughs> so I managed you to Freemasonry. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, no. You I haven't renounced that, that curse over that, your life? I'm under that curse. Still? Yeah. Not good. Okay. It's an ancestral curse. We can look it up in Leviticus if you want. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fine. Um, um I've got my Bible around here somewhere. Well, we can always Google it. But yeah, no, it doesn't say Freemason specifically, but I do remember that you get demons from your grandfather or something. If that's you... right. Yes. Yep. And, and of course, my father and my, they were, uh, and my grandfather were senior Masons as well. So it didn't go down. Didn't go down all that well with the, you know. I know Barry Smith came and told me all about the evils of that. And then the bank card, thank goodness I didn't have. Oh, yes. Are you one? Are you are you a Freemason? Can you tell us? Are you allowed to tell us? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you are. Are you? I don't. You know. No, are you? I'm. I'm not. They don't let Jews in. I don't think they let Jews in. Well, Um, I don't do. (laughs) <laughs> no, but so I can't be one, obviously, females, but no. Are you saying that because i got my hat on inside, you are over there. 
I'm so sorry. He's not going to tell us because they cut out your tongue. I read about online. If you yeah, they cut out your tongue. Yeah, because Lucifer's the head of the Freemasons. Yes, correct. So, the angel of light. Is that true? Well, I don't know if I don't believe any of it's true of the angel of light or Lucifer. No, that there's Freemasons actually like when you get to like top Freemason level, um, the boss I, is actually Lucifer. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I just well, I don't know if that was yet another Christian conspiracy or another, yeah, there's a lot of loose truth getting around about the Freemasons. A lot it's of not that. right. Yeah. It's not right at all. I think there's probably a couple of questions to be asked about that organization, but is it headed by Lucifer? I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say no. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Laugh. Laugh away. Um so what so. Yeah, so that, that's it. They sucked me in, sucked me right in. And I, I was, uh, they open arms, they welcome me, they love me, they gave me a, the one thing no one should ever do is hand me a live microphone. That don't do it. People will tell you, don't do it. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was having yeah. a great time. Peace in yeah. Ministries, you know, on stage with Richard Roberts when he came out here because Harry brought all the famous people out to preach, you know, a big tent crusade at Wentworth Park in Sydney all this stuff I was sitting pretty loved it loved so are it. you are you flitting back and forth between Hills and Harry so Harry was during the week of course college Jenny was a full-time girlfriend lovely 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 girl but I was you know of course I was Hillsong twice on Sundays Saturday Friday Good. night street mission Tuesday night home fellowship you know, yeah. there's some weird things going on at home fellowship. That's another thing I think. Like what? You could probably what understand. Like the weird thing. What kind of weird things? The prayer chair, for example. You know, the prayer chair was always a bit weird. My home fellowship leaders were lovely people, but gosh, they were like, they were a bit like, oh, like Stepford. She's a bit of a Stepford wife, I think. It was almost like I expected them to have them. The people that you wouldn't be surprised if there were like bodies in the basement or something. There was just there's just some weird things going on in my fellowship. Now I think back of it, and it was, I guess you know you take these people that just happen to live around each other and throw them together. It's like, I don't know, I don't know. It was just a bit weird. Yeah, funny you should say that. A friend of mine says it's like getting a group of like any group of people from a shopping centre and putting a rope around them. Um, that's it's as true. much as you well that you know why would you at, like leave your kids in the care of just these random people that it's yeah. a good question don't you think it's a good question but like it's a very useful vehicle for keeping your people under control i can understand from a control you know perspective making sure that there are no heretical doctrines creeping in all right but then again some of the things that were said in the home churches or, or the fellowship were just so off the wall from a theological point of view or from a you know even from a doctrinal point of view for the for the crazy you know that excrement that the pentecostals believe you know it's it's extreme then you then you'd add some of it you know it was very weird so so it all came to an end at one stage and it, it, it the reason it came to an end was around what people perceived as a you know, a doctrinal impurity in me or something like that. Anyone was going outside. So I get asked to go and um, speak at youth groups, you know, through my connections with Harry and through Bible college. 
that was all. I remember Donna Craft, Donna one day pulled me aside and saying, you're just, you've got to, you know, keep your, what was it? You've got to keep your light under a bushel in this regards. You know, no one's, uh-huh. it's no superstars. Everybody's equal. And, and you're doing all this uh-huh. outside of our church. And, you know, how do we check that? And you've just got to play it really. really I'm really excited for the opportunities for you, Paul, but you've got to play it down. And then, I don't know, something happened and I, I can't remember what it was, but I just decided, oh, you know, wow. bugger this. Uh, but I'm going to tell them I'm, I, I'm having male, uh, you know, same-sex attraction thoughts. So I went and saw Mike Murphy, you know. So I thought... Wait, did you choose Mike? No, actually, I went and I saw... Don- <laughs> I think I wanted to give Donna a run for her money because her particular brand of herbalism always rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, I don't care if wow. I you sweeping the church every Sunday night after church because you're talking about it every Saturday night at youth, right? About how holy you are because you sweep the church. You know, anyway. So I went and told her and I, she went a shade of white and, uh, and she, she stood up and she was out that door so fast. <laughs> and she came back with Mike and sort of pushed him in the room and I'll leave you two to it and close the door. And that was that. Well, that's appropriate. That's an appropriate mm. response, I guess. Well, I got, I mean, I got sent to Mike for having a boyfriend and stuff. I mean, you know, my mother thought if she'd sent me along that, like, he'd sort that out. He was very nice. What, what was your situation like? Yeah, it was very, Mike, Mike's very Mike, right? Very, very. Mike Murphy was uh, the senior assistant pastor, assistant associate pastor for I think eleven years. So basically, Brian's right hand man at the get go. Yep. And you know, I mean, a, a handsome Irish blue eyed. Very, very well. Always screamed money. He's, he's you, you know, he, uh, uh, okay. uh, the way he dressed screamed money. Yeah, for sure. And he was very reserved. Sorry. Well, I mean, he went on to become a business building, uh, develop the business building growth of yeah. uh, of churches. He sort of eventually leaves, goes to start a church 40 minutes away, just yes. for people outside of Sydney, and, yep. and did that for a whole bunch of years and, you know, started taking credit for the raising up and sending out of Scott Morrison, Prime Minister, because they were in the, who became Prime Minister, they were in the same community um, yep. and Scott Morrison started going to his church Mike has since left to just focus on money and business so it's interesting that you spotted it from from day one I just thought yeah. oh, he he seems nice he won't yell at me no no he got, he got sort of lumbered with my confession and, and he, he was I remember he was he was quite stiff about it in a, a like a, almost like a oh my god you know what do I do <laughs> what, what, what do I do He's like, well, we just need to pray about this, you know. And then I'm going, okay. He's going, I want you to, and now I want you to pray every morning. I want you to pray every night. And I'm going to have a chat with the other leaders. We'll find out if it's a demon or if it's just, you know, just teenagers or what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so I don't know what I intended. I don't remember well enough to know what I intended to achieve from all that. But I felt that my I felt that my my position in church had been on the slide for a little while. And for some reason, that was kind of important to me. I think Jenny had just left me after about three years or two and a half years, and 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 next day she was engaged to this American bloke. Yeah, so I, I don't know why, but from that point on, everything changed. 
everything changed. Mm. Looking back now, um, I'd say obviously people have talked, right? They've talked amongst themselves, which of course what this is what we good Christians do, right? You know, people walk up to you and go, "Brother, I'm going to tell you something." You know, uh, because I, you know, because we love this person and in Christ's compassion, we're going to yes. sort out. Where, you know, and then the most extraordinary confidences are all thrown out the window. You know, well, we are one in the body. Yes, yes. yeah, exactly. You know, so that, a lot of that would have happened, and and of course, homosexuality in the eighties. Uh, you, well, you, you cannot talk about any any, any aspect of same sex attraction uh, in the eighties without talking about AIDS and HIV. Well, so, it was also illegal. It was only uh, not illegal from what eighty four in New South that's Wales. Right. That's right. In so our state. Been, yeah, that's right. So it had been legal. So it was legal by this time, but it was still very fresh. Um, for people and the Mardi Gras was still like, oh, what a pack of weirdos, right? It's not what, you know, what it is today and certainly not what it was, you know. It came a long way very quickly. And to um, burst out of that closet into. Um... Yeah, it was the height of the AIDS epidemic. Also, when I eventually came out, it was also the um, height of the police harassment of the gay community. Mm-hmm. Um, in New South Wales and especially in Sydney and and you know people and the bashings that would go on at beats you know recently we had someone convicted right uh, for what was a 23 year old murder of um, a gay man that, uh, that got pushed off the um, rocks at Manly or something South Head got pushed off South Head so, no North Head one of the two something like that yeah so it was really really quite an interesting time to to come out on my first first day in a gay bar, no second day in a gay bar, I saw a fight broke out because somebody walked in who was HIV positive, and you know was not welcome by the other gay bar because well in those days we forget all this stuff, Tanya. You know we forget that people didn't know. Oh, you can get it from a teacup. We make that joke nowadays. Well, not joke. But people will understand the reference. There was a time when you didn't know that you couldn't get it from a teacup. Um, so, well, we had, you know, it, not everyone's old like us too. We had some of the worst, most counterproductive health promotion messaging in Australia uh, mm. that terrorized. I mean, you were saying to me not long ago that it mm. might have served you a bit of good, but, you know, it really put into everybody and, and then, and then, that just skyrocketed homophobia. I mean, you know, back in the days of throwing bottles out windows at people and that was normal. And I guess for us to find out all those years later that the police not only condoned, turned a blind eye, um, they they actively participated and got in cars Mm -hmm. to, uh, with the express purpose of going to beat gay people up uh, on a Saturday night. And there's some over a hundred murders. I, I'm sorry, more a hundred deaths or disappearances yeah, that, that right. have gone unexplained, uninvestigated. uninvestigated. Yeah. yeah. Well, like none of that was news to gay people. We all knew it. You know. Yeah, we all knew it at the time. But it's it's interesting. We should talk about the the, the health messaging because I think we have very different takes on that. And and I I admit that the Grim Reaper ads is what we're talking about. The Grim Reaper ads, while they Probably f- they fueled they they fueled the sense of fear in the in the greater community. Right? They didn't really do much to educate. 
what they did do was put a sense of fear. But so I'm 55 this year and the number of men that are my age, like 10 years either side, there's, there's, there's a dip in our demographics uh, because most of most men my age, gay men my age are either dead or HIV positive. And there's a dip, it's like a dent in the, in the population. When you look at the age distribution across gay men in Australia, you'll see, you know, so you got 18, 19, 20, if it's a graph like that, it'd go oop, down, you know, um, because all the other ones are all dead now and just from old age. My point is that health campaign, the Green Reaper scared the hell out of me and, and, and kept me, you know, made sure I, I had safe sex. Wow. That, was, that, that was it, or safer sex. And, and, and it that the hell out of me. So it achieved an end by keeping me alive and preserving my health. But yes, it, it also, you know, it didn't help in terms of broader community acceptance and like demonizing gay people and things like that. And, and uh, that drops, drops said to me, and Drops is in his 30s, and he was like, wow, I thought our health promotion was bad at the time it's the most famous one was you know an image of the grim reaper with a bowling ball just you know oh. knocking down kids and random people anyone because that was the message it could happen to anyone at any it time to anyone. Yeah. and that seemed to authorize and and you know underpin a lot of bad behavior exactly a lot of people at the other end of the bowling alley like standing as the skillets or whatever they're called they were all, you know, it was a good diverse cross. There was a woman with a baby, there was a man, there was a woman, an old woman, or a young woman, or, you know, the whole thing. Someone walking their dog. And it, so, you know, but 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 it didn't target gay people at all. But the message was clear, like, you know, yeah. AIDS was very much, a, you can't talk about homosexuality in the 80s without mm. AIDS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that uh, continued for, for quite some time. Do you remember the church's take on it so aids yes I, I remember it really really well so it was in church that i met anthony van um van brown of course anthony van brown hello yes hello anthony but the the lovely lovely man and somebody who i've known socially as an adult now for for many years and uh, like a deserving recipient of the order of australia and a great ambassador for people that the atheist i forget that there are people that want to have a conversation the ones that stay within the Christian faith, uh, you know, despite, regardless of their sexuality, right? And 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 um, so Anthony's a great reminder to me to respect that because I have no trouble respecting it with him. So it sort of tempers yeah. my militant atheism on occasion. But yeah, I met Anthony, you know, through the church there, and 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 the message always was. It would be a story, Brian. I remember this is Brian's favorite favorite story. I heard him tell it three times about somebody who was a member of the church, but was a member of the entertainment industry in film and television, and you know got seduced by all of that. Stopped going to church, started a relationship with a hundred men or something, and now, of course, he has AIDS, and like he deserved it. You know, that's the that's the natural outworking of just living your life. You know, as a gay man. Yeah, with a, with a very explicit warning, you know, not to, you know, not, not to dabble because it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, we used to say, you know. Um, and you've yeah. got to wonder if that was even a true story now, looking back. I, I doubt it. They were so convenient, some of these stories, yeah. They lie about everything. These people lie and lie and lie and lie. They lie so much that they don't even know that they're lying. Well, do you know, and do you know where it hit me? Oh, I saw it on accountability. Um, uh, Pat Masetti, not long ago, a few months ago, standing there saying, look, 
because what had happened was Pat had gone to that hideous worst form of exploitative evangelist profiteer you could imagine decided he'd take himself to the northern territory to help indigenous people because they're broken and he could fix them it turns out that he was not able to rent a hall with the uniting and then the next week because they wouldn't put up with him and he's and he's just just what's the word like blatant unadulterated money grab and a week later, he saw that they were renting a hall for Pride Month or something. Oh. And he was so confused because oh. he had offered to pay for that hall. So he didn't understand. And he stood up there and he said, <laughs> he goes, look, I've got gay friends. Okay, I've got gay friends. I and I don't mind what they do in their lifestyle. <laughs> and that's when it, like, you know, that's the moment I knew. These people just lie because we know. Pat doesn't have friends. He doesn't have friends. He certainly doesn't have gay friends. And like we would see them on Instagram. They'd all be priced and mm. rented out and, and refurbished and reused. And so, sorry, it's just a thing that's been like a, every time you find out something new and you think, wow, I've been really naive <laughs> all this time. I yeah, wonder who else really. is doing it. And that's. So I don't know that Brian knows anybody who had a relationship <laughs> with 100 men in 1985. You want to break no. your coffee? You all right? Yeah, yeah. I do beg your pardon. Could we just stop okay. for a minute and get sure. some Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.